Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, June 7th, and today, Tina Wynn stops by to talk about Republican campaign strategist Jeff Rowe. If he becomes the guy to run Donald Trump's campaign in 2024, would he be able to bring any kind of order to the Game of Thrones-level infighting that defines Trump world? And later on in the show, Baratunde Thurston stops by with a meditation on the epidemic of mass shootings in this country. We'll hear about all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad Bed Cooling System is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com dot me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life happy tuesday everybody happy primary day if you live in one of seven primary states i believe uh, i am joined today by tina Wynn. are you in a primary state today tina mm. or are you in washington no D.C.? i'm in stupid town <laughs> i like that <laughs> i'm fond of derogatory nicknames for washington but that's a good one it's basic It's childish, but sometimes it applies. Tina, the reason that you have joined me here today on The Powers That Be is to discuss a person that our audience might hear a lot of when you follow Puck content, and that is Jeff Rowe, the Republican strategist who's been around the block. This dude, you know, worked in statehouse campaigns in Missouri, and he's helped elect a lot of Republicans in Senate and Gov primaries and House primaries, and it was Ted Cruz's strategist back in 2016. This is a guy who is really steeped in sort of the conservative culture war stuff. He like knows how to activate those kinds of voters, but he's also really thoughtful about targeting and media buying and messaging and that sort of thing. It's sort of come to your attention and, and the gossip in, in Republican politics that after he helped Glenn Youngkin win in Virginia, 
by a lot <laughs> and, you know, came close with David McCormick in Pennsylvania. He's got a lot of other clients this cycle, but he might be in the running for Trump world. Maybe he's going to run Donald Trump's presidential campaign if mm. Trump decides to run again. Mm. So is this something that you're hearing from the Mar-a-Lago gossip circles that might actually happen? And then two, and Trump world is fucking disorganized and you've got all these competing egos and Trump mm -hmm. listens to the last person he talked to. Like, what do the people who've been around Trump, you know, at various levels for the last five or six years think about this like new guy sort of circling and maybe coming in? So there are a few ways to look at it. First one, the obvious overarching set piece to this is Trump will make whatever decision he wants, whatever impulse he has that day. Is there a strategic element to it? Who knows? It's Trump. Uh, second, now that the Jeff Rowe thing has started to come into play, I've been thinking about all of Trump's former campaign managers, of which he's had like six or seven. And I sort of consider that position like the Defense Against the Dark Arts position in Harry Potter. It's cursed and no one leaves it well. Let me see if I can do this off the top of my head. I promise you I'm not pulling this up. Trump's campaign manager is going back to 2015. Corey Lewandowski. Lewandowski fired because he had a giant screaming match with a staffer in front of a whole bunch of reporters. Paul Manafort. He left because of criminal stuff, right? Ukrainian criminal stuff. He also kind of ran afoul of, of Trump because he tried to put him in a little bit more of an establishment sort of campaign box and like, then the sort of let Trump be Trump forces came along, right? And then who finished out that campaign as his campaign manager? Steve Bannon. Yes. Okay, Bannon. All right. And Kellyanne Conway, to an extent. I think they were co-campaign managers. Okay, and then here's the other two I remember. So Brad Parscale and then Bill Stepien mm -hmm. in 2020. Are we missing somebody? Uh, I think that's it. Okay, well, you just had a trip down memory lane. Might have been unfortunate for some of you listening, but... Do you think Jeff Rowe is the kind of guy who could bring order to a place in a world that hasn't been organized for a very long time? I think it depends on whether Trump will let him do that. Jeff Rowe has a massive consultancy firm called Axiom Strategies, and it's got like 500 people. It's run all of these campaigns around the country. One Trump World source described the campaigns that he's run as not candidate X's campaigns, but Jeff Rowe campaigns. So everything's organized. He tries to streamline it. It has as little drama as possible. And sometimes these campaigns work. Sometimes they don't. But one can't argue that they are competent compared to like a Trump campaign, which is always marred by infighting, people stabbing each other in the back. I could go through the list of all of his chiefs of staff as rapidly as we just went through the campaign managers because they all met similar ends. And if Jeff Rowe comes in, it's going to be like some new guy walked into the Trump family's life and said, hi, I'm your new dad. Just to level set for a minute, Tina, why is Jeff Rowe suddenly like the most buzzed about operative in Republican politics? Is it just because of Virginia? It can't just be that. I think it's because Virginia launched him to a specific national level, like right after he won that. He did this massive interview with Politico, completely like complete transcript laying out the strategy that he used in order for Youngkin to win in Virginia, a state that Biden had won by 10 points. Uh -huh. And at that point, it was so 
novel to see a Republican win a blue state. This was shortly after Trump left office. Everyone was still mm -hmm. kind of taking a sigh of relief after Biden. Everyone's continued to think of Trump and January 6th in the same sentence. The Republican Party was thinking that they had no future. And then along comes Glenn Youngkin winning a race that's not supposed to be winnable. And then all of a sudden the GOP is like, oh, wait, is there something that we're missing? Can we win again? Can Triff Bro mm -hmm. make our party normal again? So there's a myth around that. And um, I did do an interview with Jeff around December, trying to get a sense of exactly what future issues would be, because obviously not every race is going to be Virginia. Not every candidate is going to be Glenn Youngkin. And he laid out a couple of talking points that I thought were going to be relevant carrying forward. But it's all about a matter of execution. And frankly, Jeff Rowe is the only one who could probably do it. But I don't say that necessarily as an endorsement of his skills. I say that because there's really no one else left in the game who can run national level campaigns. I think you make an astute point. There's not really anyone who can bring order to the Trump universe. And the party's never going to go back to normal just because Glenn Youngkin won. I mean, he was a unique candidate for the state for the moment. And he seized on some external factors pretty smartly to win that campaign. What Jeff, I think, has done pretty well over the years is he's good at swimming in the right-wing conservative culture war waters. Like, he knows people there. Partly because he's from Missouri. That's where Rush Limbaugh is from. Republican politics there is culture war central. But because he's worked for so many people, including like Jerry Moran, the guy who ran the NRSC, he also has positive relationships with people who make ads and people who raise money and people who are like more traditional, conventional political operatives. Unlike pretty much anyone who managed Trump's campaign, with the exception of maybe Stepien, he can talk to both worlds. And he'll never be able to like manage Trump or fix Trump or control Trump. But in terms of like, managing the operation below Trump, like everything below the iceberg, the messaging and the targeting and the fundraising and all that stuff. He can do that. He's a pro in that sense. And he's been around the block in politics for a long time. He's not green. Right. At the same time, he is entering Trump world where he would probably wake up one day with some knife in his back for some reason. I don't know. Maybe he blinked yeah. at a guy in the dining room the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. No, like that's the other thing. Like there might just be some like, shit out there on Jeff Rowe that when someone will try to peddle to the media or whatever. But what's Trump's thinking at the moment on whether he's going to run again? I feel like it's like taken for granted he is right now. Is that also the case? I think what Tara reported in her bafflingly good Washington Mall column was <laughs> uh, that he wanted to announce really soon. But there are aides in his camp who are worried that if he does it now, then the Democrats can make the midterms a referendum on having him back. Yeah, he's not going to he's not going to announce before the midterm. Yeah, but I am, imagine that if he makes that decision, it's going to be January or February. Thing that people don't really take into consideration, Trump weakening himself within the MAGA base over the quality of some of his endorsements. Like you can't uh -huh. it cannot be understated how much Trump shot himself in the foot by endorsing Oz. Is that right? Yes. I think a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how Kathy Barnett was scoring in Pennsylvania. Diehard MAGA lady, complete with like a sketchy background and an inexplicable mm -hmm. platform other than let's own the libs. She got 20 percent of the vote that should have gone directly to Oz because she was actively saying Trump endorsed this man who does not exemplify MAGA values. MAGA isn't the party of Trump. Trump came to us. I believe that's just mm -hmm. to paraphrase her. So 
a person who would look at Trump endorsing Oz and think, oh my God, you've completely betrayed the MAGA movement. We understand that sometimes you're going to make a calculated decision here or there, but this is unforgivable. That person is 100% going to be on a DeSantis team. Gotcha. Aren't you excited to be talking about this for another two and a half years over in Stupid Town? (laughs) Only for Puck. We'll do anything you say, John. (laughs) All right. We'll talk soon, Tina. All right. Bye. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be, netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Welcome back, everyone. Baratunde recorded what you're about to hear, his thoughts on gun violence on Friday. And like clockwork, over this past weekend, there were seven mass shootings in the country, with 54 people injured and 11 killed, many of them young people. Here's Baratunde. Thanks, Peter. Uh, This is what I am looking at, and more importantly, what I'm feeling this week. Rage. I guess rage is the word, Peter. Um, As I wrote in uh, Puck this week, we have overprogrammed the preventable tragedy genre in this country. I'm referring to mass shootings, hate crimes, rights revocations. It's like we don't really have time to process the latest tragedy because we're shipping the next tragedy right away. It's like Amazon fulfillment is in charge of our emotional horrors lately. And the Shootings in Uvalde came at a moment when I was still very much grieving over 
the, the shootings in Buffalo. And I, when I say those two things, it's hard to, there's so many other shootings. There's so many other events. By the time you listen to this, listener, there will be more. That's what I guarantee. And, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm a very politically active person. I care about people. I don't want folks to die because I'm, I just, I'm out on a limb, out on a limb. I just don't want people to be slaughtered in church. And we are in a nation that is really testing a lot of us, testing our ability, our emotional capacity for horror has been tested. So Memorial Day week, I was remembering a lot and memorializing soldiers and, and service members and warfighters who have fallen in battles that they knew they were a part of, as well as neighbors and friends and loved ones who've been conscripted into battles because the battlefield is ever shifting and it's schools and it's street corners and it's hospitals and it's churches. And it's all just, it's just really dumb. It's just really fucking stupid. So I wrote about this in, in a puck piece that I think will sadly stand up uh, to the test of time because you can just kind of substitute in the newest tragedy. You can do a mail merge with, uh, with Microsoft Word on that one and, and, and plug in new proper nouns and new geolocations to reflect the same sad nothing. So yeah, that's, that's an emotional low. And, uh, and as I'm one who has always wanted to try to find a high, I've been looking for, for what we can do. Who can do something? I don't think Biden can speak on it too much. I would love if he named names more about who's obstructing this. But I, I have found some hope in the little cracks, little cracks in the obstinate edifice of our political system. Sandy Hook family successfully sued a gun manufacturer despite this 2005 law uh, that our lawmakers passed shielding them. And I still think it's really a failure of our democracy when 88% of people want something and we can't get it. In this case, universal background check. So how do we get that? And I keep stumbling upon just what about like a massive shutdown? What if we just didn't go to work or didn't pay taxes? Just didn't. Just collectively hold the machinery hostage until it's able to produce products and services that actually serve us. Uh, so I'm fishing for ideas. I've gotten beautiful feedback from, from many of the Puck readers and subscribers, and I'll probably do something with that and, and organize it because there's some great examples out there, some hopeful ideas. But I don't think we can be uh, angry enough. I think if you're feeling like we are a failed state, your feeling is justified. Uh, because the state exists to serve the people and we're not being served right now. So check out my piece. It is called America in Memoriam. Nice and uplifting. And, uh, and I'll be back with something hopefully less emotionally devastating and depressing in the near future. That's all I got for now. I'll keep you updated. Maybe we can have like a crypto story that's happy. Uh, there's some good stuff happening in climate. I, I know there is. There's action happening. There's regenerative farming stuff. So all hope is not lost, but anger is very justified. And if you want to engage in a primal scream, I'm with you. And if you want to not go to work, I'm definitely with you. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. 
See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13. 